what's really driving the collaborative market right now is penetration into SMEs or what we call small and medium enterprises. People that have traditionally considered themselves too high mix, too low volume, um, you know, maybe, maybe perhaps thinking of robotics is too expensive, which has always been a, a, a misconception that robots are inexpensive, but it is often the, the, um, the human capital, like anything else, the knowledge, the, the workmanship, all the ancillary equipment that goes into an automated system. That's really the driving factor of cost. This is Swarfcast. I'm Noah Graff. On today's show, we're talking about one of our favorite topics, collaborative robots. Our guest is James Personaire, a district account manager at Fanuc America Corporation. James gave me some interesting insight into how collaborative robots differ from traditional robots and how Fanuc's collaborative robots distinguish themselves from competitors. Today's podcast is brought to you by Graf Pinkert. Looking for a screw machine, rotary transfer machine, or CNC machine? Graf Pinkert's got you covered. When you're buying any used machine, you're taking a risk. So it's important to buy from someone who knows their stuff and who is going to give you straight information about what you're buying. Graf Pinkert is a family-owned firm that's been dedicated to selling great machine tools to the turn parts industry for 75 years. It specializes in the top multi-spindle brands, including Index, Schutte, Gildemeister, Tornos, ZPS, Acme, and Wickman. They also sell a variety of other types of used equipment, such as CNC Swiss, CNC turning centers, and parts washers. Machine tools are complicated. If you're going to buy one, you should go to people who are knowledgeable and committed to the industry. Learn more at www.graphpinkert.com. That's www.graffpinkert.com. We are honored to have James Personaire on the show today. Welcome to Swarfcast, James. Thank you, Noah. I appreciate the invite. So let's get started. You work for FANUC. What do you do for FANUC? Sure. I, I, my official title is district manager here in the Chicagoland region, uh, which, which basically means I bear responsibility for evaluating new automation uh, opportunities, uh, serving as caretaker or at least a coordinator for our install base, uh, meaning those robots that are already deployed in the field. But, but really, it is a, a, a job of many hats and uh, always keeps you on your toes because you're not quite sure what the next day is going to hold for you. But, but I think loosely, those two categories uh, define what I do for, for FANUC. Mm-hmm. And what exactly are these robots uh, being used for? What applications? Really anything and everything. I, I would be hard-pressed to think of um, a person... Uh, or a family or a household that did not have products that were somehow either manufactured directly by or indirectly by, by FANUC robots. Really? Uh, here in the U.S., we, yes, correct. Uh, so here in the U.S., we've got roughly a, a 50% or more market share in, in what we call the general industries market. And, and that, that's kind of my sphere of influence is general industries. And that entails anything from parts that go into automobiles to the food that we eat, uh, the, the, um, 
paint that gets applied to to cars, uh, while that's not general industries, that's a huge market segment for Fanuc. Um, primarily, our, our our original um, foray into the U.S. market was in the auto industry, but but over the last decades, I should say, uh, really the the number of different market segments that that robotics have been deployed in have been growing uh, commensurate with advances in technology. So it it would really be it would be harder to find something that robotics are not used in manufacturing today than to uh, to give you a full tally of them. That is interesting. Okay, what's your background and how did you get into working with robots and get to working for Fanuc, et cetera? Sure, sure. I, I graduated as a, as a mechanical engineer and um, found myself in the, the early 90s working for another Japanese company in Chicago and kind of rose through the ranks there through, you know, I, I, I'd like to think a little bit of my own hard work. but That was a robot company as well? Uh, that, that was not a, a robot company. That was an automation components company, but it, it was a, a company that had a, a custom design group, and that eventually became the, the group that I, that I managed. So we would build things, um, mainly micro-positioners for semiconductor or biomedical companies, th- things that move really small distances uh, very, very accurately. And uh, we'd also do some things that, that get... Uh, quite large. I, I, I built a, uh, a linear system that got mounted on the top of a, a military base aircraft control tower, which was kind of a cool thing for a, a guy in his, his mid twenties. Yeah. Um, but, but through that, through that, uh, job, I actually went to Japan, um, as, as a, a customer, as a, as a guest of, of FANUC and, uh, really got a a chance to tour the factories um if not solo al- almost solo and, and those tours are amazing they 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 really are they really are and they they've grown to be pretty pretty large scale grandiose affairs with with hundreds of of people coming through and back in the the mid late 90s really uh, it was just me and my minder uh, and and one or other guy and uh you know seeing Robots building robots and just the expanse of millions and millions of square foot, uh, square feet of manufacturing at Fanuc, um, you know, kind of kind of made me think uh, is moving back and forth a few microns at a time with a gantry what I want to be doing with my life. And it, it wasn't that long after that that Fanuc uh, had my resume here in uh, Hoffman Estates where uh, where our Chicago operation is based. So um, started off with Fanuc in the engineering department. And uh, uh, probably put in about six years doing process engineering work, mechanical engineering work, cell layout design, quoting. And then for the last 10 to 11 years, uh, pardon me, my, my math is, uh, my start dates are slipping <laughs> my head. Um, 10 to 11 years uh, have been serving as, as district manager for the Chicagoland region. Is Chicago one of the main FANUC offices in the U.S.? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So, so our uh, in, in typical fanic ma- fashion, we'll answer a very simple question with a long answer um, <laughs> in order to be concise. So, the headquarters of the robotics division uh, is, as you might expect, just based on the, the number of, of clients, uh, based in the Michigan region around Detroit in, in a suburb called Rochester Hills. 
therein we've got well come come november we're going to have close to i believe 1.4 million square feet of warehousing operating space integration space office space that's really the heartbeat of the fanic um, company uh, from the robotics side of things mm-hmm. here in, here in chicago we we're actually the headquarters of our servo and cnc group or what we what we call fanic fa um so in Chicago, if, if you're counting purely by square feet, this is the second largest FANUC facility in North and South America. Uh, we obviously have a, a large number of regional robot operations facilities, CNC facilities, um, of which I'm a part of here in Chicago. But the reason, you know, we've got a, a, a beautiful facility here in Chicago with some, some pretty uh, amazing grounds around a nature preserve and is just just gorgeous is uh, part of the the history of fanic in that that we are uh the headquarters for the servo and cnc side of things here okay so uh, along, like the controls regional robot operations exactly exactly when i when i met you at the trade show you were telling me about the the first fanic robot in the 50s now was that the first kind of robot as we know it when we picture robots um no no it isn't no it isn't i the, the, the what i was alluded to at the show was something that uh, uh fujitsu which eventually spun off uh into what we know today as fanic uh they were the the team that that helped to to build and design that world's first nc controller um Going a little bit out over my skis right now because I, I don't date to the fifties, but I, I believe <laughs> the first I believe the first uh, industrial robot, although it probably looked more like a a water pump uh, than anything else, uh, was was a, uh, a unit by the name of Unimac, if I remember my my robot history correctly. But uh, um, I, I would say. In in terms of when the first Fanic robot made its appearance, um, again, just just venturing a guess here, uh, probably early '80s, uh, as as that GM and Fanic partnership started to to grow here in the in the states. But the '50s, that was Fujitsu. The, the, Fujitsu was was the company that that built the world's first NC controller, correct? And and from that, through some of the personnel and through our honorary chairman, uh, Dr. Asanaba, he was part of that that research team at Fujitsu that eventually spun into Fanic. And what did it do? Just pick in place. Uh, the 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 NC controller. Oh, okay. It was just or, a controller. It wasn't like correct. an arm or something. Cor- correct. Correct. That, in terms of FANUC, that, that came later. Okay. Okay. Now I'm going to ask you something that I'm sure you, you got asked to death at the show, including by me. Uh, you know, a lot of our customers, they're into the cobots because they, mm-hmm. they, have, they have machine shops. And uh, I want to know what the difference is um, in in a few minutes, I, I know you could, you could, you could talk for a long time, but say between universal robots and the FANUC, um, collaborative robot. Sure. Sure. I, I think it, it fundamentally comes down to, to one key structural differentiator in, in that our FANUC 
collaborative robot series or what we call the CR series um, is in fact a, 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 a direct cousin, if you will, of our industrial robot platform, meaning that as you start taking the thing apart, you're going to see commonality in drive drivetrain components. I mean, they look the same. I mean, they just one is yeah. green, right? Basically, Cor- correct. Yeah, we 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 basically paint them differently because they look so similarly, or so similar. Uh, we didn't want there to be any uh, unfortunate consequences of an operator who's familiar with our industrial lineup to mistake a collaborative robot or a, a standard yellow industrial robot mm-hmm. for a collaborative robot. Um, so, so that's one difference that's, that's really purely cosmetic there for, for safety to draw a line between the two uh, types of robots. Um, we also, in, in many cases, limit the joints a little bit differently, uh, trying to prevent um, the possibility of of the kinematic linkage of the arm itself causing injury to operator. I mean, everybody's gotten their, their finger caught in, in, uh, in something in a door, even if it's moving slowly, that still smarts. So there are a few modifications to the robots that uh, try to take that into account to really try to minimize the pinch points. But then the main, uh, the main difference is, is the engine of, of what makes that robot, uh, capable of, um, uh, control reliable power and force limiting, which is the safety sensor built into the bottom of the robot. So essentially, the the, the driving differentiator between the FANUC product line is the fact that at the end of the day, you've got an industrial robot that's meant for the rigors of the industrial environment, and, and frankly, some of the abuses that, <laughs> that we see. Uh, still with that same drivetrain, still compatible with all the past, future, and present goodies in terms of software, built-in vision, force sensing, remote diagnostics, um, ZDT, predictive failure analyses, but built into a collaborative package that's capable of the power and force limiting that you need to have to be considered a collaborative robot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the greatly curtailed uh, differentiator there between between. Uh, uh, what I would call the, uh, a more common uh, model, like a UR, for example, uh, in, in the CR series. And you have more models of your cobot than they than say universal robots, yeah? Uh, te- technically, what we've got is our, our six separate classes of robot. So just just briefly, there is what I would call a, a short arm four kilogram robot. There is a standard seven kg unit. There is a longer arm version of that 7kg unit. There is a, uh, think of it as the same reach as that longer arm 7kg unit, but we gear it a little bit differently and can get 14 kilos of payload out of it. Then we start going upwards in size. Uh, The CR-15, for example, uh, reach uh, roughly in the neighborhood of, of, call it 1,450 millimeter reach radius that that's not exact but that's that's roundabout where it is okay and uh, that has 15 kgs and then really what we've what we've seen a lot for end of line palletizing is a variant of our m20 35 kilo robot our industrial robot that we've christened the cr35 and and that really was fanic's first foray into the collaborative market oh in excess of four years ago is when that that robot first came out so it's it's not as though Fanuc is is a Johnny come lately 
to the collaborative market uh, with probably close to uh, certainly several hundred other robot models out there. We just perhaps didn't have the luxury of promoting it and promoting that product line in the past as heavily as we're starting to now. Right, because you, you had so many other things. Yeah, uh, it, Exactly, exactly. So it, it was a segment of our business rather than the sole business focus. But I, I think just the nature of, of how the market is moving, uh, certainly you saw it automate. We're, we're putting a stronger message out there that says, hey, the world's largest industrial robot manufacturer uh, also has the largest lineup of collaborative robots too. So don't don't forget about us. Don't think of us <laughs> as just the the guys that that uh, you know weld a a car or or package things at uh, one part a second or or lift large large Corvettes up and down at trade shows. So we can do the collaborative stuff too. Listeners, do you have an idea for a future episode of Swarfcast? Or is your company interested in advertising on the Swarfcast podcast? If so, please send us an email at swarfcastpodcast at gmail.com. That's swarfcastpodcast at gmail.com. Do the classic yellow robots, are they getting a bad rap today by all the cobalt people? I don't know if they're getting a bad rap um i think really what what the collaborative market is doing in in whether it's through perception and, and very good marketing or whether it's it's got some validity to it and i think it's a little bit of both uh, what's really driving the collaborative market right now is penetration into smes or what we call small and medium enterprises People that have traditionally considered themselves too high mix, too low volume, um, mm-hmm. you know, maybe maybe perhaps thinking of robotics as too expensive, which has always been a, a, a misconception that robots are inexpensive, but it is often the the um, the human capital, like anything else, the knowledge, the the workmanship, all the ancillary equipment that goes into an automated system. That's really the driving factor of cost. It's a lot like the, um, the old joke with the, the plumber that has the $5 part, and yet you have a $205 bill at the end of his services. Uh, it's still that human capital that is the predominant driver of cost uh, in any robotic system. That and things that must, by nature, be made custom, whether it's a gripper, whether it's a conveyor system, whether it's unique uh, electromechanical engineering for a, a robot. Robots are mass-produced. So a cobot, though, does a cobot need as much as it, it... Are there certain applications for cobots, though, that require less um, less setup, less needing somebody to come in and, and set up uh, and integrate they there can are they more easy to integrate for for the home gamer? Oh, that that is a good question in a matter of perspective. I think um, fundamentally, collaborative robots have been embraced by SMEs by and large, and and, and this is this is my opinion by and large by I I, I think past perspective on ease of use. Uh, meaning that if 
whether you want to come into FANUC and, and learn how to program a robot and make it move from point A to point B and turn off a valve uh, to pick a part, to drop a part, really fundamentally you're talking about something that you can learn the old way on a FANUC robot, meaning you know basically just treating that robot like a, like a joystick and pushing plus X minus Y. Um, that's something that, that I can train people to do in 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. But that so it's kind of a myth. Make, it's kind of a it, myth that I, there's I so much more more difficult and complicated than a universal robot or your cobot. Yeah, I, I really think it is um, because training or teaching points, uh, provided you're not looking to contour something, meaning um, follow, you know, it, it would be analogous to an analog. Uh, record being digitized, right? Segmenting a surface that you're trying to follow in a curvilinear fashion. That's very difficult. But by and large, most of what collaborative robots or industrial robots are doing is moving from point A to point B. And all the complex math that goes on between point A and point B is already figured out for you. Mm -hmm. So I would say, undoubtedly, there's this myth that teaching points somehow constitutes the end-all be-all of integration when in fact anybody who's ever picked up a teach pendant integrated a robot for a basic pick and place cell will tell you that hey teaching points is probably the simplest part of that integration uh, because it is just joystick time all over it's all the other stuff writing homing programs if if something crashes into the robot, um, creating startup initial initialization programs, vision, managing product queue. Um, that's really the heart of integration. It's, it's not teaching point A to point B. And you'd have to do that with any kind of robot, with a universal with, with robot, too. Robot. Yep, yep. And, and I think the surest proof of that is the fact that there are literally thousands of automation houses out there. Um, that make a very healthy living uh, and a very long engineering backlog doing integrated systems for people. Um, So I would contend that teaching points, A, while critical, is is among the simplest tasks of integration. But I think where uh, the collaborative industry has, has captured people's imagination is the whole notion of lead to teach, right? Grabbing onto the robot, um, moving it to a point, pressing a button, and you just taught a point. Grabbing onto the robot, moving it to another point, pressing a button, now you've taught a path. Mm-hmm. Is that that much more difficult in, in the case of an industrial robot, for example, than grabbing a teach pendant, pressing plus X, minus Y, plus Z, I do think that relative to the complexity of integrating full systems, I do think lead to teach is is a little overrated relative to everything else that needs to go uh, into it. Yeah. But perception is a powerful, powerful, um, um, I, I won't call it an obstacle, it's just a powerful force. Right, and this is good because it gets people more it makes people more comfortable with putting yeah. a robot in and then maybe they'll it, graduate. Exactly. It, exactly, exactly. It 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 doesn't take care of everything else that comes into it. But but I think if you can break down the 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 perception or the fear of 
of, of I've got a complex robot here that I've just spent tens of thousands of dollars on. Um, that that's good for the industry as a whole. Um, to to round back with the Fanuc uh, CR line in your question, Noah, uh, we do have um, something that that basically you can consider a, a wireless joystick that that we showed it at Automate and uh, control very much in the same way as Lead to Teach uh, on on similar models uh, by by some other manufacturers in which you can control X Y Z pitch yaw roll gripping, uh, gripper on, gripper off, uh, teaching points, just like, uh, like you were grabbing onto the arm itself. But, but technically that motion is controlled by a joystick. Okay. But fa- so Fanuc doesn't do the, the lead to teach by like moving the arm. You use the joystick with theirs or Cor- you can do correct. Both. And, and, and really, um, you're absolutely right. So, so it is the letter. It is, it is done solely by the joystick. Uh, if somebody wants to go that route, um, and again, the reason you can't just grab onto a CR robot relative to industrial or relative to a, a, a traditional collaborative robot has a lot to do with its construction, right? Yeah. If you're talking about a robot that's that's got essentially the same drivetrain as our industrial yellow robots, there, there are some obvious mechanical barriers and obstacles to doing that. Um, the other thing that... Um, I, I think the, the collaborative market has done a good job of addressing it, including FANUC, uh, is just in terms of breaking down uh, more of those perceptions about ease of use and difficulty of use. Uh, any FANUC robot that's been produced in the last couple of years comes with a little uh, screen. Uh, think of it as a, a setup, easy teach program wizard that, that breaks down to very, very small degrees, the individual steps that you need to do to teach points, to turn your robot from teach mode to automatic mode. Uh, it even goes into some of the things that, that I do think get glossed over as people are focusing on lead to teach, uh, which are training uh, points and building systems and training program paths. In, in a more elegant fashion using tool center points and user frames so that if the relationship, the physical relationship between the robot and what it's working on ever changes, meaning somebody unbolts it and moves it around, uh, there is a means to recover that without retraining your entire program. Mm. If you're using good old fashioned uh, common horse sense uh, that that came from the industrial side of the business, which is, not just teaching in world coordinates or joint coordinates, but teaching relative to coordinate axis systems that are related to what you're operating with, meaning the robot's tool, and what you're operating on, meaning a fixture or a box or any real pick point. So um, we call that IHMI on the FANUC line. And, And just like any other collaborative robot, uh, it is purely touchscreen. It's highly visual. There is no training class on it that I'm aware of because the uh, the steps have been boiled down to being so graphical and so rudimentary that it literally is showing everything that you need to do and saying, okay, when you've done this, press next. And you when don't, you've done this, press next. And a lot of those applications, you won't need to bring in somebody to integrate for the collaborative robot, or would you still? It, you know, that that is a entirely dependent on the 
on the difficulty of what it is you're looking to do. So some of the universal robots or the the cobots, cobot applications for FANUC, you would need an integrator for those as well, or most of those tasks just for somebody to be entirely independent of bringing in an integrator? Uh, you know, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, I will say, I would say this, if, if you can truly boil your automated system down to something that perhaps isn't communicating with a lot of ancillary equipment, a lot of machines, a lot of PLCs to where you need a controls engineer or you need somebody who knows what they're doing with vision and optics. Um, and, and let's say that the, the part itself is simple enough that, that a, a simple pre-engineered chunk, two-jaw, three-jaw gripper or a vacuum cup is sufficient to do it. Those are absolutely applications that... Uh, that 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 uh, easy teach wizard on on our robot or any any robot mm-hmm. would be sufficient for sufficient for, but that's really not the whole story. And, and as a guy who's who's literally worked on thousands of systems before, um, I I look at the do it yourself market, and I try to be as candid and frank with people that approach us with that as I can possibly be. And and here's a classic case. A a system I I visited yesterday um, is, in essence, a basic pick-and-place system. I'm grabbing a part from this spot, using vacuum, dropping it off in one of six component locations. That's all I'm doing. And that was all that that the end user who called me in thought the application entailed. Until... He said, I would like an unattended runtime of one hour. And I looked at the the consumption rate of what he was looking to do, how many parts that robot would consume in an hour before signaling for an operator to, to reload it, to recharge it with the with the product that it was picking and placing. And there were eighteen hundred parts that somehow needed to be queued. And and these aren't just um, flat sheets of cardboard, you know, that would stack up nice and neatly on a on a, a nice little cornering fixture that somebody could just drop off and end off. Mm-hmm. These were these were parts that had. Um, uh, I guess the the best way I could describe it is is the more you stack them, the more they start to act like a fan, meaning they start getting angular variation instead of just varying in the Z dimension, if that makes any sense. Okay. And now all of a sudden, this simple kick and place application that could have been done with one of the least expensive $12,000 robots that FANUC manufactures turns into a great degree uh, more difficulty, uh, possibly involving vision, certainly involving custom designed uh, queuing equipment to manage that product buffer, to manage that unattended runtime. And that is what is missing, in my opinion, from the collaborative buzz, is that, guys, it's not just the robot. The robot is a critical and, and important part of that system, but it is only a portion of the whole. Uh, it's, it's only one part of the, the system. Yeah. So, 
Um, I, I think what's missing from the enthusiasm, and again, I'll never tamp down or throw cold water on the enthusiasm that anybody has to automate, but I think there is not yet a full cognizance by a lot of these people that are just coming to the, uh, the robotics industry now of how much more there is to it beyond just moving from point A to point B. James, before I conclude, um, important question for you. Please. Terminator or short circuit? <laughs> Terminator, of course, of course. And, and the first one. Awesome. Thank you so much. I uh, really appreciate it. And uh, I learned a lot. I think people are going to really enjoy it. But I uh, really appreciate the, the opportunity to come on, on your podcast, Noah. And, and thank you so much for the invitation to, to talk a little bit about uh, FANUC, our products. And uh, I really uh, appreciate again, it. Uh, shed, shed some light on, on the collaborative buzz here. Hey, everybody. First, we just want to thank you for listening to the podcast. It boosts our egos, and of course, your ears are the reason we do this. But it would be great if you could subscribe and leave a review, as it'll help other people discover it. Talk to you soon.